A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, welcome to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. This episode is brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. I wanted to jump on super quick and let you guys know. Um, I'm extremely excited to announce that we finally have the top 10 journals live. They're on todaysthedayshop.com. Make sure you go and get yours. These things are perfect. We got them to the T exactly how we want them. It took longer than we were hoping, but they're amazing. I can't wait for you guys to go and implement these practices and develop these habits that have completely changed my life. So go and check out the journals, go and get yours today. Um, and I appreciate you guys much love. Dallin, thank you so much for coming. I know you're busy. I really appreciate your time and I know it's, it's an effort to get out here. So I appreciate you big time. Thank you, man. I'm honored. I'm good. And it's good. It's good to see you too, for real. Yeah. It's been a long time as everyone's about to find out. So today we have, for those of you guys that don't know, this is Dallin Peely. Um, and me, me and Dallin go back farther than you would think and farther than anybody else I've had on here. So Dallin and I go back, um, all the way to basically when I can remember first grade, like literally elementary school, junior high school, um, totally separate paths since then. And this is one of our very first times kind of reuniting and I'm going to chop it down together on a professional level, which we've never done. So I'm yep. super excited for um, to give a little bit of a background on Dallin, though, so you guys know kind of where where these stories and advice are coming um, just a real quick run through, and then we're going to go through kind of your story. We'll probably touch on all these things. But first and foremost, you're one of seven siblings, right? Five brothers, two sisters. So I'm one of eight siblings. I have seven. Siblings. You have seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of eight, yep. and that's five brothers in you. So six boys yep. and two sisters. Yep. So just mayhem. Yeah. I love it. Um, obviously, we went to elementary, junior high together in, in high school, played football, right? You just told me, and I actually didn't know this about you until literally just before we started recording. You graduated early with your associates, correct? Correct. Um, which is which is awesome. And then went went on, served a full-time mission to your mission in Papua New Guinea. Correct. Right. For two years, came back and you ended up being a Ute and you played football at the University of Utah. Um, then from there, you kind of went into your prof professional career. How many years did you do that? Actually, football? Uh, I was at the University of Utah for two years. Two years. Good deal. After that, you went into um, sales for a little bit. Two years, like you were saying, at Vivint, where you went and sold. And then just from there, just kind of like serial entrepreneur, make money appear out of nowhere is kind of what I got out of it, which I love, where you went into renting cars um, through Turo 
you, you started a credit repair business at one point. You started a vending machine business, which I'm excited to dive into kind of that story. Um, and then now kind of where you sit, you started Omega Financial, which is, as you're explaining it, really, really cool. And then most importantly, you're now married. You have two sons, which is just, it's really cool to see where you're at, man. I'm, I'm stoked. But let's let's rewind it all the way back, like just cool. story time. So grew up, lots of siblings. Like there is, there's eight of you and two sisters, right? And then your little sister's my age, actually. Yeah. Um, but tell me about that. Growing up, what was that like? Man, I mean, a lot of a lot of testosterone in the house, man. <laughs> I can imagine six boys, um, all super competitive. We all kind of we all kind of grew up liking the same things, right? And so, mm. like sports and stuff, super competitive. You know, w- whether it was who could wash the dishes the fastest, right? Everything was a competition, right? <laughs> and so, um, it, growing up was awesome, man. And I think that led into you know the the position that I am in now, right? Where I've, I have a special relationship with all of my siblings and I've learned, yeah. you know, they're good to the bads from all of them. Right. And so I'm, I've been very fortunate to have that big of a family. Absolutely. Big family. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Provo, Utah. Grew up in and Provo. Then, yeah. I, I moved over to Orem and then I went to Pleasant Grove High School. So cool. kind of all over Utah County. Cool. I love it. Um, and then growing up, obviously elementary junior high you were always playing football you were huge like you got you guys hit you guys hit your growth spurts very early um you were like the man for sure I remember it and then going into high school what's really really cool and I want to talk about a little bit you approached high school with a weirdly mature mindset I, I I remember like thinking back to like my high school days and like what I was worried about in high school and I played sports I played lacrosse I played golf um but like I never was like oh I want to be the best I never thought about college and I definitely didn't go and put in the extra work to go and graduate early with any type of degree or any, anything. I was just worried about showing up to school. Like where, yeah, what, what had happened to make you go and look at high school like that? Dude. So a lot of people don't know me, don't know this about me. I grew up with a single mother, Mm. right? She was a grinder, dude. Like she taught me like the true meaning of hustling. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I've, I've always had the long-term picture in my head where I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what I wanted to do. And although it didn't work out that way, like I knew I was going to go to the NFL. Yeah. Right. That was kind of like every young man's (laughs) dream, man. Yeah. Um, And so I was, I I went into high school pretty focused, right? I I knew, you know, from what I saw my mom doing all growing up, you know, she's worked multiple jobs. Um, She's, you know, she was always coming in into the house at 6 p.m. and then leaving at 8 p.m. for her next job, right? And so yeah. seeing that stuff, like, I knew, of, I'm like, okay, well, like, I'm going to make it so, like, you don't have to do that no more, right? Yeah. So going into high school, I already had that mentality of, like, I'm going to be super focused and I'm going to make it to the NFL. Yeah. And that didn't work out, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, hey, it worked, you, what worked out worked out, yeah. and it's, it's going well. Yeah. I love that. You know what's really cool about that, and on that, before we kind of move on to the next few things, um, I – you get to take that, like that situation, I assume, and those circumstances. And this is super, super important to me. Like, I, I love when people understand the simple truth of your circumstances don't define you. Like, you get to choose and define everything. Like, you can go create whatever circumstances you want. But that young, it's really hard to go and view it that way. Like, it would have been a lot easier for you to go and view it as, like, oh, like an excuse rather than right, right. motivation. Where, like, what had to happen for you to look at it? that way i mean dude i had a lot of good examples growing up Mm. right so although like i didn't maybe have the best father figure like i had so i'm the so there's six boys in my family i have three that's older than me Mm -hmm. right and you know they all played division one football and you know they're all super successful in what they do now and so when i was in high school they were already playing college and some of them were even like already starting businesses right and so 
I think I had a lot of good examples That's as awesome. a kid. So that really helped me stay focused. And whenever I did lose focus, I mean, I had my brothers to, to, to slap the back of my head and be like, hey, no, get back on track. <laughs> that's you amazing. what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. I think that's super key. And I think that's a really, really important part as well. Like, that's a, that's a huge blessing to have had. Absolutely. And the way you took it was the perfect way to take it. So from there, then then tell me after that. High school, I went and graduated that. Then what? Then what was life? So I, I immediately went on a mission. So I graduated in December of 2015. I was class of 2016. Um, and then, like, the beginning of 2016, um, I went on a mission. Mm. So I, I served a two-year mission for my church and then came back home and went straight. Like literally three days later, we had our first practice at the University of Utah, which was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine coming yeah. straight off your mission. So what, focusing on your mission just a little bit, like we were just talking about it before recording, a little bit about that, I'm curious. Because I think all of these things are super important yeah. to where you're at today. Like Dude, I really 100%. do. Dude, I could talk, I could probably take up this whole podcast talking about my mission, bro. Like the things that I learned out there, I mean, I found myself out there, right? Like, it, I mean, it, it was just all, it was, it was awesome. And it was a huge culture shock because I'm someone you, you could probably remember, like I've, I've always been someone that, you know, whether I had money or not, I've always been a, a fan of like the lavish things in life. Yeah. Right. I've always liked the luxury things. And so, um, it was a huge culture shock going to Papua New Guinea and, you know, I was living in a hut. I, we were, I mean, it was all, we were, we were, we were bathing in like the rivers, dude. Like I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, authentic. You, like, you gotta we'll go there. Authentic. You gotta go there to know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, it was a huge culture shock, man. And so I think the skills that I was able to learn there, like as far as like humility goes, yep. as far as like working hard and as far as like just making things work, with yeah. whatever you got, whatever card you're given, like you just got to make it work. Yeah. Right. And that was a huge lesson that I learned on my, on my mission. And so coming home, it, definitely made the transition, you know, going from my mission to sports to, you know, business entrepreneurship, because I was able to like work with whatever cards I was given. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah, dude, I loved it, bro. Like those two years were amazing. I love that. And I think that's probably and correct me if I'm wrong, like every time I go and I look at someone's story, I try and identify like the moments where they like grew up or they like grew into being kind of why they are the way they are. And I think all of these things are super key that you're hitting on, but the mission in particular, like I'm assuming that was like a huge grow up moment, moment oh, for 100%. you. 100%. I mean, it, it taught me that like mentally and physically, I could go through a lot more than what I thought I could. Right. Because so out bold. there it was like, dude, you have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. I love that. So then you got directly, like you didn't even have time to like unwind. Cause if, if anyone who knows someone who goes and serves a two year mission, what that means is like you are disconnected from life for two years yeah. and you are Jesus people and learning to find yourself, like you said. Right. Right. Like, so then coming home from that, typically it takes a while for someone to like, yeah, honestly, like ease back into real life, like realize like that life continued moving the whole time you were gone and people are still yeah, people yeah. like, but you jumped right into college football, which is a very different scene from mission life, I assume. Right. Right. So college football, you were at the university of Utah for two years, two years. correct? Yep. Um, what was that experience for you? Um, it was, it definitely changed my, my perspective on, playing football, I was definitely questioning myself now. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to play football <laughs> because it was that hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Bro? Like I had this coach, man. He was, dude, that dude, like, just to give you an example of what this coach made me feel like, yeah. you know, like every morning walking out of the locker room where I would like peek outside the locker room and like make sure he's not walking down the hallway and <laughs> hurry up and like get through the hallway. So I don't have to pass. Them, no way. Yeah, man. It was, what are you scared of? Like, what did he do to like instill that? So, so I played linebacker. So I was on the defense. Okay defense you have this mentality of especially at the university of utah like pac-12 
they're they're I mean they thrive in the Pac-12, right? And so they have this like mindset, this culture of like you you got to be a dog, like you got to have tough skin, yeah, right? And so this coach and he's a linebackers coach, which linebackers are like the captains of the defense, yeah, right? And so he wanted all of his linebackers to be like the biggest dogs. <laughs> Right. And like for me, man, I was just like coming off of a two year mission. Right. And so I, like I didn't, I didn't know if I mentally here. had the dog in me yet. You know what I'm saying? And so he like any sign of weakness, bro. Like, I mean, he's making you face the consequences, man. You're you're having to run. You're having to come after practice. You're going to have to come in early. And so that kind of stuff. I was like, OK, oh I'm, I just want to avoid him at, at all costs. But over time, it, it got a lot better. Good, got good a lot. He taught me a lot, man. I bet. Yeah, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be absolutely intense. So two years there. Right. Yeah. Felt fulfilled. And then what transitioned you from there? to being like, you're like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, so I got injured. So okay. I had, I had uh, an injury in high school where I broke my ankle and then um, our spring ball game heading into 2019, mm-hmm. I had broke my ankle again, the same ankle. Mm-hmm. And so just of, you know, repeating the injury, I was like, all right, man, it's just like time to like hang up the cleats. Mm-hmm. That was a hard conversation to have with myself. Honestly. For sure. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't really hard for my coach because my coach was like, okay, like if you're not strong enough to stay, then get out. Yeah. You're right. And so that was kind of the conversation <laughs> that I had. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's what forced me to transition was, I mean, mentally at the time I wasn't ready yeah. to give it up. Right. Because I, I still had this idea in my head that I was going to go to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But like with the injury and then my coach just not accepting weakness, like I had no choice. Yeah. Right. And so... What 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 had happened was is heading into um, it's called uh in in football they call, uh it's it's called fall camp yeah so fall camp is the period right before the season starts where like gotcha. you you dial in your plays you cross the the t's and you dot the i's like that's where you gotta have your roster ready to go right and so everyone knows that like what if you if you make it to fall camp then you're gonna you're gonna be on the roster yeah absolutely and so after spring. After the spring ball game, they send you on a little break. But before they send you, you have a conversation with your position coach, just like an interview. Yeah. And they'll basically go over the the the, the year on and and how you've been performing. You know, if if you've been hitting your numbers, and basically he told me in that conversation, he was like, "Okay, we're heading in to fall camp. Uh, um, we don't have a position for you to come back to fall camp just because you're injured. Um, but however, if a position opens, you're the first person we're going to call." That was basically the nicest way to be like, you know, you're off the team. <laughs> they're giving you like a little hope, but right. definitely not enough right, to right. really hold on. So like to. I walked off like, no, nah, they're not going to call me. Yeah. So it was just like a forced transition. Um, but looking back at it, man, it was the biggest. How'd you handle that in the moment? Cause like, absolutely. Like what you just said is super key. Like how it turned out, it's the biggest blessing. Life is always happening for you. Right. Yeah. But like in the moment though, like take yourself back to that moment. How did you handle that? Cause I've had situations like I look at that as like a, probably a letdown for yeah. so many years yeah. of anticipation. And, like, how did you handle that? Like, how did that feel? Dude, it was devastating. Like, it was, I mean, it was the worst. I, I think it was, like, the lowest I've been in a really, really long time. Yeah. Right? Because, again, like we've been talking about, I, my whole life, bro, like, everything I ate, everything I drank, everything I listened to, every workout I did, it was targeting, like, my goal on going to the NFL. Yeah. Right? Like, I couldn't conceive anything else. Exactly. But going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Right? And so everything I did, it it was getting me on the course of making it, to my dreams right and um when that happened it was like dude what else am i supposed to do yeah right but looking back at it man like it it has been the biggest blessing and a lot of people they ask me like hey man do you miss playing football right and i'm like dude i don't miss it at all yeah you know what i'm saying like where i'm at now i feel like i was i was supposed to be here a hundred percent but um absolutely yeah dude it was devastating i remember i vividly remember i so i call my mom for like everything 
Yeah. Like, I'm a huge mama's boy, bro. Like, whether it's good or bad, I call my mom. And my mom <laughs> says, like, the same thing every time I call her. Like, no, I'm proud of you. Good yeah. job. And so I called her. I was like, Mom, um, I think I just got cut from the football team. And she was like, what do you mean? And she and I, and I told her the whole story. And I was like, but he said he's going to call me back if any position's open. Yeah. And I knew in my head that they weren't going to call me back. But yeah. my mom, she was like, no, they're going to call you back. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But what I realized at that time, bro, is like I wasn't proud of myself. Right? And the reason why I say it's been the biggest blessing is because I think once that happened, it allowed me to dream for a second time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I dreamed for a second time, it gave me the opportunity to figure out, okay, what am I really passionate about? What am I really good at? Right? And what I realized was me playing football, me going to the NFL, I almost think, dude, it, it was an adopted dream. Yeah, right. 100%. It was a dream that was ingrained from my father, from, from my brothers. It was just something that we had to do. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, okay, this is my dream. But what I realized is that dreams don't always show up in the packages that you think they're going to show up. Right. And so that's by, gold. Yeah. So so by that happening, bro, like I said, it allowed me to dream for a second time mm-hmm. and actually find like what my passions were, what I was what I was trying to do, what my mission was. Yeah. hundred right? percent. And from there, I mean, tons of doors opened up. Absolutely. So, that, I mean, that's a perfect segue into it. So literally from there, you just like I feel like that's when your life kind of like took off in, in a story sense, like reading through like your life story. From there, you went directly, like, what happened from there? So two years, you ended up getting cut. You spent Mm -hmm. two years at the university. Then you ended up at Vivint knocking door-to-door selling, Mm -hmm. right? You were there for how long? For two years. Two years as well. Okay, tell me about that then. And then that segued you into a whole bunch of other things to lead you to where you're at right now, which is a really cool position. Yeah, so I had a brother that was already at Vivint. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, with Vivint, they're always trying to recruit. They're always trying to recruit people. (laughs) And, And so my brother had hit me up. He was like, hey come work for me at Vivint while you're trying to figure out what to do with your life. I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so he invited me to a company, a company trip. We went to Thailand. Yeah. Right. Which was like the dopest experience ever. And like, that's where they sold me. I was like, okay, I'm going to work for Vivint. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and, um, ended up working for Vivint. I loved it, man. Like, although my time at Vivint, I feel like I could have did a lot better. I didn't do the best. I was average. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed my time there. I like, it taught me really, like, I, I think if you're a door to door guy and you go to try to start your own business, bro, you're going to do good. Yeah. Cause what door to door teaches you, bro, is lessons that you won't learn anywhere else. It teaches you how to have tough skin. We were just talking about that. Yeah. It teaches you how to face rejections. It teaches you how to work hard. It teaches you how to work long hours. It teaches you how to be resourceful. Resourceful. Just make exactly. it work. Yeah. Exactly. And everything. so, I mean, that taught me a lot. But what I loved the most, bro, is like my favorite game was recruiting. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of where I found my passion. Right. Where when I would recruit these people. So they they called me a manager in my office. I was like a first year rep. But they were like, mm-hmm. you're a manager. I'm like, OK, well, everyone's a manager then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because like yeah. I didn't do anything yet. And so. <laughs> I kind of took that upon myself where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to recruit and I'm going to train these guys. And dude, when my guys would get paid like that, I was more excited than myself getting paid. Yeah. hundred like, percent. You know how that feels, about, right? Absolutely. And so that's kind of where I was like, okay, like that might be my passion, like yeah. helping people. Yeah. Right. And so from there, man, like I, everything I wanted to do, man, it, it was with the sole purpose of like, you got to serve people first. Oh yeah. And then you receive income as a byproduct. A hundred percent. Probably the most, I love that you just said that. Like for anyone listening, who's in any type of leadership role and honestly, a leadership role can be anyone, anyone of influence. Right. But one thing I learned, thank God, really, really early from Todd Peterson and Casey Baugh and Brad Rossiter and like 
all of these guys and, and way more that I couldn't even name, but specifically Casey told me very explicitly, he's like, if you take care of your people, you will always be taken care of. Right. Cause there's nothing worse than in any industry, finding someone who worries too much about taking care of themselves to the point their people don't get taken care of. Right. And then there's no one to actually take care of that person long-term. It's very, very temporary. Mm-hmm. And then they're searching for it all over again. Does that make sense? For sure. And like exactly that, like if you go and really do approach things with like the, the intent and like the purpose behind it to go make sure everyone beneath you or around you is taken care of, it always comes back. 100%. It always, and I have yet to see it not work out. And all the most successful people I know live by that. They don't just say it, they like live by it. Mm -hmm. So I I love that you just said that. I love that. So go ahead, keep going. I apologize. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had a good time working at Vivint, however... For me, my my goal now went from trying to make as much money as possible to, okay, like I want to help as many people out mm-hmm. as I can. Yeah. Right? And what I realized then was like, okay, there's a lot of other ways that I could be helping people. Yeah. And one thing I did know for sure is eventually I didn't want to work for anybody. I wanted to go and start my own my own thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so um, I kind of took the lesson that I learned from, you know, the mission, from playing football, from what I learned over at Vivint. And like one side note is, Doing sales was never something that I wanted to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I have a speech impediment where I, I like, really stutter a lot, especially when I get nervous. Yeah. And so... You, so, it's the hardest environment yeah, to go plug dude, yourself so like into. Chase, so, I'd never guess that, like, being pursuing this career <laughs> where my full instrument of success is my voice, like, I would never think that would have worked out. Yeah. Right? But, like... Working at Vivint, I actually learned that. Like, okay, like I could be pretty good at this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I learned how to do that. Um, and then that transition, once I left Vivint, I, I, I knew I was going to start a business. But this is where, like, I had my turning point, dude. And um, the unfortunate part that I believe about humans is I feel like we all have to face this one turning point. Whether we realize that, like, okay, we're pieces of shits or, like, you know, we got to step up. Like, when, like you're ground zero. Yeah. Right? You got to <laughs> hit bottom at some point. Yeah, exactly. You got to. And, dude, I remember um, after coming home from my first summer, I think I had made, like, 80K. And that was, like, the most money I had ever had. Mm-hmm. And so I made, like, 80K. And literally a month later after I got home, I got married. And, again, like I said, I've always been one that's – love the luxury things, love the lavish things in life. So I wanted to be extreme and wanted to be extra. And so I bought my wife a Range Rover for our wedding. Right. So after, and then, and then we, and then we went on a honeymoon. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't, do yeah, that. Don't, don't do that. So, but this is where I faced my turning point. Right. So I, uh, we, we got married, I paid for the wedding and then I bought the Range Rover cash. Right. And then we went on a honeymoon to, to, uh, to Cabo for two weeks. I love it. Pay that cash. Dude. I love it. Dude, but the craziest thing, man, is when I got home, we had no money. Yeah. And like, dude, we had just we had just signed the lease for like this three bedroom apartment and stuff like that. And so um, I, I had can no, only imagine dude, you're like, oh shit. I had no money. I look at my wife, I'm like, crap. And um I still try to play it cool, bro, because honestly, it was kind of embarrassing. Right. It's like, absolutely. Like, dude, I just made 80 K and then I just blew it all in like two months. And for you to say this, by the way, like, and I want you to keep going exactly where you're at. I appreciate it. And it's really cool. Cause a lot of people are in that position. 100%. And that is not a position you want to be in, but unfortunately sometimes you got to put yourself in that position right. to go and realize I don't want to be in this position. Exactly. So I appreciate you being vulnerable enough to go and say that. And oh, like, yeah. and I, I, and I'm so excited to kind of hear what followed and kind of how that was a turning yeah, point for so, you. So, so a, a little bit ashamed, very embarrassed. And, um, 
So I was like, okay, no worries. Like I could get home from Cabo and I can. But start. you were tan. <laughs> you was, had a Range Rover. I was really tan and I had a nice car. And your house was sick. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. <laughs> um, but I, I get home and I'm no worries. Like I got this. Like with Vivint, yeah, you can knock off season. Right, so I'm gonna go hit the doors, but it was freezing, and then uh, it was just after the holidays, so no one wanted to answer their doors, and when they did answer their doors, no one wanted to spend money. So I was like, "crap!" Like, but dude, I I, I had this mindset, bro, where I was mentally unemployable. Like, I wasn't gonna go get a job. Oh yeah. Like, I had a, it either has to work or it has to work, right? <laughs> and so I was like, "Babe, I have this idea. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna start doing DoorDash." So I became a DoorDash driver after making $80,000. Two months later, I was a DoorDash driver. I love it. And so, and my wife has serious FOMO, dude. So like my wife, and my wife was pregnant at the time. So we had a honeymoon baby and she's pregnant. She didn't want me to go and do DoorDash by myself. So it's like one in the morning, bro. I'm dropping Panda Express off to people's homes in a Range Rover. With your wife. With my wife. My wife's, oh, my wife's a full-time college student at the time, bro. So she's connected to the hotspot in the car doing homework. And I'm dropping off meals to people in Range Rovers. Bro, people were seeing my cars like, dude, do you do DoorDash full time? I'm like, yeah. They're, they're like, they just go look up how to get employed by DoorDash. <laughs> right. right. So people thought I was like crazy successful. But the crazy part was, is like, I was looking at my wife, bro. And I was like, hey, like my wife is pregnant, doing her homework in the car at one in the morning while I'm dropping off meals, trying to pay our rent. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Right. And so after a whole month, like, so there's six days that go by that you could be late on paying your rent. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so on the fifth day. Um, we didn't have enough money. So we, we had, a, we had made a ton of money that we thought was a lot, um, from doing DoorDash, yeah. but we were still like a, like a lot of money, a sh- lot short, bro. Yeah. And so we're like, crap, I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm someone that doesn't like asking people for money. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I'd, I'd rather like not eat than go into debt. Yeah. You know? And, um, dude, someone knocks on our door. It's my brother and my uncle. Okay. My uncle lives in New Mexico and they were like, Hey, uh, we weren't there for your wedding, but we have your wedding gift. And I was like, oh, please be a card. Dude, it was a card, man. Like, and, oh, yes. and both envelopes had money in it. And so that's how we paid our rent. That's that amazing. Month. So it was that turning point where I realized, like, okay, maybe I am a piece of shit. And, like, I got to step up a little bit, right, to provide for my, not only my wife, but, like, she's pregnant. So I got to provide for my, my kid. Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of where I took it upon myself where it was like, dude, I'm going to do whatever it takes not to be in this position again. Yeah. Right? And, and from there, you know, I've, I've started multiple businesses and, you know, still trying to, still trying to find my way, but I mean, dude, yeah, you just answered like the most important question that I was going to ask. And just to go like reiterate it, like looking at what you've done, there's a few things in there where I'm like, okay, these things, I know what it takes to do these things, including sales and sales. Is one of them, like you have to be willing to go through the shit to make it work. And you have to have like a no option mentality. There's no type of conditionality. Like there's no condition in which you'll be successful. It's just unconditional. It's like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And my question for you was going to be like, where, where did that happen? Where did, where did it come from? And the answer that I always find, and, and, and when I, when I ask myself or anyone else, it's really like in the lowest of lows of lows is when you really like, you make like a personal commitment, exactly as you said, I mean, you word it perfectly to just never, ever, ever be there again. Right. And that is stronger than when stuff gets really hard and when you don't want to keep doing it or when you don't know how you're going to make it work. It's like, I don't care that I don't know how I'm going to make it work. I just know I'm going to make it work. Right. Right. And then you just start doing what you need to do rather than what most people do. They overanalyze the thought of not knowing how to make it work. Right. So they never do anything. And then they obviously don't make it work. And they're like, ah, see, I was right. That's a good point. I was right. I I didn't know how to make it work. It's like, yeah, no shit, dude. It's like, of course you didn't. Um, So I love that. Like that is, that is gold. So running from there, like since then it's been obviously lots of ups and downs, but as far as like your, 
your financial state and just like your, your business mind and everything like that, your professional life has taken off big time. And it started, was this directly after this where you started doing the Turo, you started renting cars through yeah, Turo? Yeah. Okay. So tell me going on from there, like, and we're going to rock through everything. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. It was brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. Now I typically don't run ads, um, but I feel very strongly about Alchemy Sales Coaching. I started doing one-on-one coaching with Doug back in 2019. And since then, I have gone and not only blown up in my career and my earnings, um, but it's really helped me through just the ups and downs of life. Now, the reason I feel so strongly about Alchemy is because it's a group of individuals not only focusing on furthering their sales career, but they're diving deep into inner work um, and becoming the best version of yourself so you can show up and be the best version of yourself. Um, not only that, if you have any interest in doing any one-on-one coaching with me, I exclusively do all of my one-on-one coaching through Alchemy. Um, so for full access to me, go and check out Alchemy. I think you'll absolutely love it. It's alchemysalescoaching.com. We will also go and post, um, the links in our bio and on stories, et cetera. So go check it out. Okay, cool. So just before I, I dive into this, bro, like I have this, I live by this mantra where I commit first and figure out the rest later. Yeah. That's literally my mindset on how I attack everything. Yep. And, um, when I, uh, and, and we'll probably bring this up again later on, but when I had gotten into Turo, um, I had the Range Rover, mm-hmm. still needed to figure out ways to make more money. And I had a buddy of mine, I actually don't even know him. We've just like had conversations over social media. Yeah. And he lives in Hawaii and he hit me up and he's like, Hey, I'm bringing my wife, um, and my kids on a vacation to, to Utah. Um, and at this time it was like the peak of the pandemic. Yeah, right. yeah. So like a lot of these rental car companies, Everything they were was, getting rid of all their cars. Yep. They were yep. selling them off to their dealerships, right? And so he hit me up. He was like, "Bro, Enterprise, Avis, Hertz, all these companies, they they don't have very much inventory, and the inventory that they do have available is really, really expensive. Do you know of anyone who's renting cars out through Turo? At the time, I didn't even know what Turo was. Yeah. Right. I was like Turo. So I did some research. I was like, okay, Turo's a rental car platform. And so he, I responded. I was like, dude, I know the perfect guy. <laughs> He has a Range Rover, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I heard, I brought, he checks your Instagram and yeah. sees that you have the Range Rover. Yeah, like, bro. <laughs> well, I, then I told him, I was like, it's, it's me. Like I just listed my Range Rover. It's funny. You hit me up, man. Like what a coincidence, but like, I'll rent you, I'll, I'll rent you, um, my Range Rover. So here's the link to my Turo account. You can just go in and you can book there. That's amazing. And so, yeah, so he booked it, but while, so he booked it for like six days, but while he booked, while he was booking it, I was getting other bookings on the Range Rover. Yeah. Like, dude, I was booked like for two months. While he had like back to back, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is, this is, this is pretty crazy. Right. And, and so I think that first month I probably made like 1100 bucks just off of that one car. Yeah. And that's so, dope. so I was like, man, like $1,100, that's, that's pretty cool. But imagine if I had 10 of them, All right, well, imagine if I had 10 cars. Yeah. Cause then like, bro, I was getting so booked out. People were like, Hey, do you have any other cars like that? You'd be willing to rent me. So then I started thinking of like, okay, what cars does my mom have? What cars does my brothers have? Right. And I could just tell them like, yeah, I have this car. Yeah. All right, so I started renting out all their cars. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And, and dude, it got to the point where like I I was able to go out and, and oh. acquire. So I, I ended up, I got it. I was able to acquire six cars in one day. Mm-hmm. Right. And as soon as I acquired all these cars, I immediately listed them on Turo and they started getting booked. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of what started my rental car business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then like fast forwarding it now, you know, I rent my cars off platform now where I, you know, we have Lambos and McLarens and stuff like that. And now we just rent them privately. But yeah, I started off with Turo. Yeah. That's so sick. I love that. And then, I mean, there's, I mean, you have story on story about this kind of stuff. And I love, like, you truly live by your mantra of like, 
what 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 exactly commit was the first figure commit. it out figure it out later yeah commit first figure it out later like yeah i got it <laughs> yeah. like hey can you do this You're like, yeah i can do it and then you yeah. go figure out how to do it and then you do it yeah. right so then you went from there you started a credit repair business right mm-hmm. what was how did that stem where did that come from like yeah, yeah so that stemmed from cars right and so um i was able to get six cars in one day throughout that process dude so i i've always had pretty good credit i don't know how but i've always had pretty good credit mm-hmm. and so um, throughout the process of getting six cars in one day, I, I started communicating a lot with the lenders, right? The people who were offering me like this auto loan for this much. Like I started being in communication with them. And as I went through the process, I started to learn what points they were looking for as far as what's in my credit report. Yeah. Right. And so I got really, really familiar with reading my own credit report. Yeah. And I knew what my credit report needed because a lot of people, they just think like, okay, you got to have this score in order to get approved for this. Yeah, it's 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 a lot deeper than that, right? Because you may have this score, but your utilization rate is is, is X. Yeah, your 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 mixed account is X, right? Your yep. your history is X. Yeah, right. And so there's a there's like six different points that that accumulate that collectively affect your credit score. And so as I'm going through this process of buying cars, I was able to understand what each of those points were, mm. right? And so again, the, like I have 18 cars now. My credit has always been in, in a point where I'd never have to put any down payments down. Yeah. Right. And so I got really, really good at reading credit reports. And so um, other people, they wanted in on the rental car business. They were just asking me like, hey, how do you get approved for all these these cars with zero dollars down? And dude, I was you can finance a car over 144 months. A lot yeah. of people just think it's 60 months. Yeah. Right. And so the longer you finance a car, the lower your payments are. And it only be stupid to do that is if you're planning on keeping a car. For 144 months in, yeah. the, in the rental car game, dude, you only keep the car for like one to two years, and then you just replace it. Exactly. Right? So you have way less risk. You're not exactly. going. Exactly. Yeah. And have, they're always newer. Yeah. Right? Less miles, and so a lot of people they wanted information on how to do that. Yeah. Right. And so I started helping people. Like, okay, this is what the dealership's going to ask you. These are the lenders I recommend. Right. Here's what your credit re- your credit report has to look like. Yeah. And so people were like sending me screenshots of their experience accounts, their, their, their credit karma accounts. And I was telling them like what to do. Yeah. And then finally, so I hired my first mentor right at that time. And I was telling him like what I've done thus far. And he was like, okay, if you're going to be helping people repair their credit, you need to start charging them. Mm. And so I live by this, this method It's called the RRR method. Okay. It's, it stands for repackage, repurpose, and relaunch. Okay, so I, I really believe that everyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, everyone has these hidden gems inside of a treasure chest that they believe is basic, but to other people, it's really, really advanced and can be useful, mm-hmm. right? So w- when I'm trying to coach people, I'm telling them, like, you need to dig deep into your treasure chest. You need to find something that's going to be very, very valuable. You got to repackage it. You got to repurpose it and you got to relaunch it. Yep. Okay. And so I understood that, like, okay, reading a credit report to me was now basic. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of other people, they didn't even know how to do that. Yeah, exactly. So when, when I was talking to my mentor, he was like, dude, you got to start charging people. I was like, well, I don't want to charge people. Like, I could do this for free. I'm making good enough money here. And, and he was like, no, no, it's not that. It's, if you start charging people, they'll start paying attention more. Right? Because, which is true. Which right. is absolutely true. Exactly. Because he says when you, when you pay, you pay attention. Right? And so, dude, I was selling this PDF of, like, how to read a credit report for $47. And, dude, I got so much hate on that, bro. Like, People were like, why are you selling courses and stuff? Like, you're trying to steal people's money. And, like, my mentor told me to do it. So, I, so I'm doing it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but, yeah, so that's how I started the credit repair business. Yeah. Which, but on that, though, your mentor is a genius. When people pay, they pay attention. It's so true. Like, yeah. how many times do you want something so bad for someone that you're willing to pay for it? And then you really think about it. It's like, if I paid and sent them there, paid for this for them, they wouldn't appreciate it. Right. 
And if it's something where you have to pay attention to get the benefit from it, they're not going to get the benefit from it. Right. Well, dude, it's all value. It's it's all value. It's all like it's perception of value. What that means is like, dude, if you and I were going to Vegas and I was like, hey, bro, let's go to Vegas. It's on me. I'll I'll pay for the rooms. It's 20 bucks a night, but I got it. You already have an idea of what that room looks like if it costs 20 bucks a month. I'm 20 20 bucks bucks a night. night. Absolutely. Right. But if I if if I told you, hey, let's go to Vegas. It's on me. I'm going to pay for our suite. It costs us 10 grand a night, but I got it. Now you have a different idea of what that room looks like. Yep. So it's all perception of value. It's the same, like it, it could be the same room. I'm just telling you a different price. Yeah. Right. And so dude, there's so many things that I've purchased online where if it cost me $10, like it's still sitting in my inbox unread. Yeah. Because it's so cheap. It's like, dude, I'll get to it. I'll get to it when I get to it. Yeah. Right. But when I pay $10,000 on like a coaching event or like a business, a business conference, like I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there early. Exactly. You know and I'm going to be there ready to take note. A thousand exactly. percent. I agree. Like I, I, I echo that. I, Absolutely. And I wish more people understood that because everyone wants something for free. Right. Everyone wants to go on Tony Robbins Instagram and watch the free videos and the free courses. Like that's amazing if you can't afford to do it. Right. But if you can even kind of afford to get there, that's where you're going to go get the benefit for sure. And like, that's where like when it, when it hurts to spend the money on self-help, that's when the self-help helps the most. 100%. Does that make sense? Like paying for a book with 20 bucks when you have 40 left and no gas, you're like, oh shit. You go buy a book and <laughs> right. you're like, okay, I'm going to read this right. book. Right. I'm going to get every ounce of goodness out of this book no, I can sure. get. And dude, like I, I found by paying for stuff, I mean, now I think we're kind of getting off topic here, but dude, like hiring mentors, going to these seminars, bro. Like, I mean, it's been, so, so, so there's just, I have this story of my first mentor that I had hired and I told him, I'm like, okay, hey, these are my goals. One of the goals on there was to buy my mom her dream car. Mm-hmm. I wanted to buy it cash. Mm-hmm. So after I made like a, a good amount of money, I told him, I'm like, Hey, I'm ready to buy my mom's car. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Dude, I paid this guy 20 grand to be my mentor. Yeah. And, 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 um, he's like, okay, that's fine. You can buy your mom her car. What I'll do is I'll give you back your $20,000. I'll block your number and never text me again. I'm like, dude, like I was upfront with you. I was like, I was transparent. Like, that's what I wanted to do with this money. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I get that, but you're not ready to do that. I'm like, dude, I could buy this cash. I can buy this car in cash 10 times. He's like, yeah, but you're not ready. Yeah. Like, dang. So I waited, bro. It's like, I didn't, I wanted him to keep mentoring me. Right. So, so, um, I, I waited and then like a year, a year later, I'm like, okay, like, is it time? He's like, now it's time. That's awesome. Right? And so to have that type of guidance, man, like paying $20,000 for that type of guidance, bro, I, I would do that day and night, bro. Like every single day, if I could. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm with you, dude. Like that's all of that. And I, I, I work in a sales coaching platform as well. And like when okay. people pay to go and they pay to be coached, like it's crazy seeing like their growth too, from the year prior to the year of paying for coaching. Right. And for a lot of these people, it's like, it's a lot of money to go and pay, like to go and pay X amount a month or to go and pay 20 grand for a lot of people in every situation. That's a lot of money regardless yeah. of how much. Right. Right. So you sure as hell better go get your money back. But one thing I was lucky enough again to learn, like very similar, okay. like not only from my mentors, but even like my, my stepmom, like kind of ingrained it in me super early. And I always kind of like listened and didn't listen. She's like any dollar you spend on yourself, like you, Invest in yourself, you'll make back ten times. One hundred percent, I believe that, and and I believe it a hundred, a hundred percent. I've spent a lot of money on things where it's like I don't know if this is going to benefit or not, and I leave like that's the best I've ever <laughs> felt. And then the next year is my biggest year, my right. best year, which I love that. Okay, so started. The, sorry, that was a little bit off topic. Yeah, that was my super. Bad. No, I love that's my bad. I love <laughs> that, and that's that's what it's meant for. Credit repair business, I love that. Um, and then the vending machine business. This story is amazing, and I want everyone to kind of hear this story. So very very similar pattern we see in kind of like your life, which I love. Yeah vending machine business take us there how'd that get started okay cool so uh there's this there's this lady her name is lulu she's over in orem she she owns a altering and 
tailoring company. It's a little shop. Yep. Um, it's right off of uh, 800 North. Um, you can cut that out if you want to. But um, she owns this shop and she, I would go to, I've been going to her like forever. Mm-hmm. She's like so cheap and like, she's the nicest lady ever. And she mm-hmm. alters like my pants, my shirts, right? Um, my, my, my church suits, whatever. And <clears throat> next door to her, um, her shop is a laundromat, right? And dude, I've had like the best relationship with Lou. Like she's like the homie. Yeah. She's an older lady, yeah. but um, she's the homie. And um, I remember when I got when I got to her shop, she asked me, she's like, hey, one of my vending machines next door just broke down. Yeah. She was like, do you know of any entre-? She knew I was an entrepreneur. She was like, do you know of any of any entrepreneurs or any people that own like vending machine businesses? I'd like to put some vending machines in here just because my kids, they hang out here a lot. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I was just told the same thing from one of these tattoo shops. I was getting a tattoo and like the guy that was tattooing me, he was like, hey, dude, if you know anyone who could put some vending machines in my tattoo shop, like mm. have them just come put it here. We spend hours and hours and hours here every single day. Yeah. Having a vending machine would be crazy. Yeah. So that's two people already that asked me for vending machines. It's like a sign. Right. It's like <laughs> a sign, dude. And so so uh, when she had asked me, when I got asked from Lulu, I was like, you know what? I know just the guy. I do it. She's like, you do vending machines? I'm like, yeah, I've been doing it. <laughs> right? And so... Um, I've been so, on that. Bro, I've been on that. So I went home that night and I researched, like, where can I find, like, nice vending machines? <laughs> and, um, bro, I was looking on eBay, man, and they had all these brand new, super modern vending machines, but they were going for, like, 20 grand. Yeah. But then I saw one vending machine and it said refurbished. And it was going for $1,200. So I called them and I was like, hey, I want that vending machine, but do you have any more? He's like, yes, I do. I have four. So I said, okay, perfect. I'll get one snack one and one drink one for this location. I'll get another drink and another snack one for another location. And he sent them both to me. Yeah. Or all four, right? Yeah, yeah. And I stocked them. And, like, dude, it was, it's not as profitable as you think. Like, the margins aren't super, super crazy, bro. But, I mean, it was, it was something where now I've grown to have 12 vending machines. And, like, I'm in, like, most tattoo shops here in Utah. Like, at least the big ones. Yeah. Right? Those are all my vending machines. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I got started in like the vending machine industry absolutely and i love that it's crazy man because it's like people underestimate that stuff man but it's really really lucrative absolutely especially as you go in compound you get 12 right. you get 15 you get 20 and right. it's like 800 bucks a month turns into a lot pretty quick if you can go in and do it 15 times 20 exactly. times 30 times right? and dude that's like my whole life like as far as being a businessman that's all it's been about it's like okay let me see how this one works if it works okay how much would i be making if i had 10 of those. Yeah. And then I go out and get it again. It's I commit first and figure out the rest later, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, dude, I freaking love it. Like I, I absolutely love it. And it's, it's hilarious because it's so, that's the way everyone should live. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I love it and good on you for figuring it out too. Cause I'm assuming, I, I guess one question I do have, when have you gone and like dove into something that didn't work? Oh, so many times. Like what, what's an example you have where you so, like went and like you committed and you uh-huh. like were figuring it out and what you figured out wasn't, how to make it work it was that it didn't work yeah yeah so i so i try to start uh first a power washing company i mm. wanted to go and power wash these sidewalks right and and like i i remember i was at a gas station and i and i had seen someone that was power washing the sidewalks and then i had an older brother he told me about like how lucrative this business could be right and so i <laughs> i try to start my own power washing company and so i was calling other power washing companies acting as a customer trying to get like what they charge and stuff like that yeah and yeah that didn't work out so what I did is I already had a lot of the supplies. So I tried to turn it into a mobile detailing company. Mm. 
<laughs> Which are tough. Those are tough. <laughs> Those are tough, man. But I didn't think it was because I'm like, okay, like I wash my car all the time. Like I have p- people come to my office and wash my cars like once a week. Yeah. So I was like, there's a demand for sure. Yeah. Right. But as far as like the competition, man, that thing is, that thing's saturated. Yeah. Right. And I didn't know that. Like I thought like, cause I'm like, I feel like I'm pretty good at like marketing and ads and stuff like that. I just felt like if I could start this company, I can run ads. I can start doing marketing and I could really scale this company. Yep. It's not as easy as you think. <laughs> Dude, I went and bought like a van and like, dude, I started like, I took a, a screwdriver. I was like installing all these things inside the van. I got like a, a water, what, 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 what you, a water tank. I installed it into the van, but like, it was sick, man. I was going to wrap the van too, but I didn't get there. Um, uh, please tell me you still just have this. Van I still have this van. I still you? have this van, dude. It's, and I actually love driving it every now and then. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I still have it. But anyways, that. So I probably put in, you know, I put in a good chunk of money to start this freaking company. I really thought I was going to go to the moon. Yeah. Um, and we had a few bookings here and there, bro. We, we probably made like a thousand bucks, bro. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we're done with that. Yeah. That one didn't work. <laughs> yeah. That one didn't work. Good deal. I like that. So then, I mean, from there, obviously you went through vending machine business, still rocking with that. Your, your rental car company still rocking with that. And then just how recently, cause you now the venture that I think you're the most heavily like your time is most heavily invested in is the Omega financial. Is that correct? Correct. Um, and how did that come to be? When was that? And then kind of what is it? Yeah. So Omega financial, it started off where, you know, it, I, it, it stemmed from my credit repair business, mm-hmm. right? So people knew me for getting people approved for these cars, these auto loans, whether it be under your personal or your business credit, I was getting people approved. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where people were coming to me, but they didn't want to do car rentals. They wanted to do their own business. They just needed business funding. Mm-hmm. So I was able to dive into their credit report. I was able to be like, okay, this is what you got to adjust. You got to go and create your LLC. You're, you got to create an EIN, a DUNS number, so you can establish your business credit. And then you can go and apply for these business credit cards, these lines of credits, these SBAs, well, whatever. And you can get a ton of business funding. Dude, I was getting approved, uh, people approved for like hundred to $500,000, 0% interest for business funding. That's amazing. And then all these people, they started investing their money into to different businesses. But the main thing was e-commerce because this was at like the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. So I also invested myself into e-commerce. I got me an Amazon store. And that's when I realized, I'm like, okay, if I can get people approved for hundreds of thousands of dollars at a 0% interest, now you're leveraging the bank's money at like for free. Mm-hmm. Then why can I do that for other people and then have them invest that money back with me? Yeah. And that's where I started Omega Financial, where essentially we're an investment firm, right? Where people will invest money with us and then we'll manage the funds by investing it into other an, an, into other cash flowing appreciating assets, mm. right? So we're most known for e-commerce. So like that's the Amazon stuff, the Shopify stuff, the Walmarts, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we got started with Omega Financial. Dude, every business I've started... And then the new business I've started, it came from the previous business. Yeah. That's kind of how it's all. It's, it's like how, business it's how it stacking. Works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that, dude. I love that. I mean, dude, your story, that that's, that's so fun to go through and kind of hear and like understand. And it's really cool to see where you're at. And I'm super stoked for you. Like that's, that's genuinely super, super awesome. Right. So now in, in your position where you're at, right. You've kind of been through quite a bit. You're still going and learning, still going and growing. You, you've spent a lot of money to go and understand how these things work and a lot of time and experience and effort. Um, you're, you're happily married. You have two kids, which is so awesome. Like one big thing that I think is key, because a lot of people who listen, we have all sorts of listeners, right? But a lot of them that reach out to me that, that find this advice so valuable on here, 
are the the younger generation. So the the kids that are right now, they're in high school, they're just getting out of high school, a few years out of high school, and they're just trying to figure things out. And like that time period in life is like really tough. And I think life is always tough, but like specifically transitioning from high school to now you have to like provide like right. not only for yourself, but potentially a wife or kids or whatever it may be, but even just yourself, like it's on you now. Right. Um, what advice would you have for someone, an 18 year old, like stepping into adulthood? Like what advice would you have to ensure they're going to get the most out of their life from what you've learned? Well, that's a good question. Um, commit first, figure out the rest later. That's one. <laughs> that's a good one. I like <laughs> um, that. Just live by that. There you but, go. Um, so, so I'm a very goal oriented person. I really believe in like setting goals and like creating a plan of action and on what it takes to get to your goals. Yeah. Um, so that would be like my real first tip, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's this saying that I love. It's in order to be prolific, you have to be specific. Right. And, and it's very easy to, to set goals based off of like, okay, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Right. But there's a difference between making it and keeping it. Yep. Right. And so in order, if you want to keep a hundred thousand dollars and like, what do you have to do? What are your numbers look like monthly, weekly, even daily in order to be able to keep that. So, so your goals need to be very, very specific. Yeah. Right. And so that would be the first thing, dude. And coming back to goals, man, like I'm so obsessed with goals, bro. Like I've created this fictitious person in my head. It's me in 10 years, dude. And like, he's like two inches taller. He's super, super ripped up. Dude. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, I like it. I like but it. I, I created this fictitious person in my head, bro. And like, I know exactly what he looks like. I know exactly like he has a 10 year old son and an 11 year old son. He has this beautiful wife. Like, I know what his house looks like, what the color of the walls are inside his cars. Like, I know what I've thought about the VIN number. I know what the stitching looks like. Right. Like I've thought yeah. about every little thing, dude. Yeah. And so for me to not make it, it would be unreasonable. Right. So, so it's not a matter of like, okay, mm. what am I doing next? It's like, okay, how do I catch that person? Yep. Right. How do Quicker I turn in 10 years? Exactly. Even. Yeah. Exactly. It turns into how do I game. condense time? I have a question for you on that. Yeah. So that's so powerful. And like, I have something I want to say about it, but before that, where did you learn that? Where did you learn the importance of like your imagination is so unbelievably powerful and I'll touch on it in just a second. Where did you learn the importance of that and how to do it? One of my mentors, he literally taught me that like, as, as a kid, we our, our imagination is, is the best ever. But then as we get older, our imaginations start to, they start to decline. Yeah. Right. And so he had taught me that um, the goal is, is to like, your imagination is super, super powerful. Yeah. Um, but also my wife and I, we have this tradition every, every new year's we sit down and we, we do the vision boards, right? I'm sure you've heard. Oh, of yeah, the vision absolutely. Board. Absolutely. Um, but we also do what's called the reality boards as well. Right. And the, the, basically the reason why we do that is it's like a GPS, right? If, if you were to type in an address of a destination that you want to go to, but you turn off your current location, your, your GPS doesn't work. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't function. That's really right? cool. And yep. so, so we've created this tradition where we do a vision board and then we do a reality board of what our current circumstance looks like. Now, sometimes that's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. It could be embarrassing. It could be, I mean, it could be, you know, like it could be mm -hmm. heartfelt. And so, we've created these reality boards of like what our current bank accounts look like, what our credit scores are, what our house looks like, what the lives of our freaking children look like. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. what our reality board is. Yeah. So when we have our reality board and our vision board, now it's a matter of like, it's not what we got to do. It's like, what, what, how do we bridge the gap from our reality to our vision? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so that's kind of the, the, there's one more thing that we do every new year's is we write letters to ourselves in 2020 and like the next year. 
Yeah. Right. So now it's 2023. I just wrote a letter to myself in 2024. Yep. Right. And so those are so again because I'm such I'm such a goal oriented person. Yeah. I really believe in like if you can imagine like there's this other saying that in order to seize it you have to see it right. So whatever you can see can be built. Yep. Absolutely. Right? And so I like to I I mean I I contemplate this a lot like. I feel like I'm talking to that guy in 10 years and like, I'm like, I'm going to catch you, bro. Thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. Which is dude. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the best way to approach it. And like two things on that. Like, first off, that's so, that's so cool that you guys have that tradition. It's so key. And like having your, your partner on board with it is so important. Right. Which is, I love that you guys do that first and foremost. Second off, it's like the power of your imagination is absolutely unbelievable. Like the actual neuroscience behind it. And anyone who's actually educated in this field is going to think I'm a dumbass for how I explain it. But um, to very dumbify it down to the point that I could understand it, the way it's been explained to me is you, two things. Casey Ball was on this episode or on an episode with me a few episodes ago, and he talked about you create everything twice. Like first you imagine it, and then you go and create it, right? Yeah. And the reason for that is because the actual science, like what's happening in your brain, your brain does not know the difference between something that's imagined and something that actually happened. And like a really easy way to tell that is like anyone who has like, forward flashes of anxiety like fear of failure or whatever it may be like going into something you're sitting in a perfectly safe room right like just any any example but you imagine like the worst case scenario right you get a text or someone's late and you imagine worst case scenario all of a sudden your body which is your brain controls your body takes on the full emotion the full everything of as if that actually happened wow right does that make sense like if you think about like junior high right like you have like this crush or whatnot and like you see her hanging out with another guy and like you immediately just assume the worst thing in your body takes on the posture of right, as if right, she's right, literally right. like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, that's, I've never heard of, I've never heard someone break it down like that. And it's because your brain can't tell the difference between if that actually just happened or didn't. So like you right now sitting where you're at, you already carry yourself as if you were that you in 10 years. Right. Right. And not even knowingly, you're just imagining what you want. Yeah. Right. But you carry yourself as if you were the man that you were in 10 years. And like you just said, literally like it's, it's not a question of as if it's going to happen. It's already happened in your brain. Right, right, right. Now your body's just going to follow suit, which is so powerful. And like, uh, no one's really dove into that in depth on this. Yeah. And I love, you just did it without even knowing it. Like, that's so freaking powerful. So I would, I would recommend that to anyone as well. Like literally go and imagine exactly where you want to be and like, feel it, like be right. there and feel it. And like, you just described it so perfectly. You know, the stitching, you know, the wall colors, right? right? You, you don't know that you want to go make X amount of money and have a nice house and a nice car right? You know exactly what you want and you're literally imagining it and you're training your brain that that's what you're going to go and have. And I'm willing to bet you get exactly there faster than 10 years. Right. Absolutely. No question. That's the goal. So that, yeah, dude, I mean, yeah, I'm cheering for you all the way. And that's, that's amazing that you do that. I mean, dude, I could literally talk all day. It's already been an hour and like it flies by way quicker than you think, which is nuts. Um, so if, if you're, if you're familiar, the name of the podcast today is the day, right? And kind of where that was coined, um, was just really early on. It was a mantra I kind of took on like today's the day. Like basically what that meant to me was tomorrow's not guaranteed. Right. And for me, it was really valuable in high school. Cause it's when I learned to have fun and like enjoy the moment. Right. I definitely wasn't thinking, go make money, be like a business minded person. But like today's the day on that day, what was important was enjoying myself, making friends, being a good friend. Yes. Right. And I really feel like I got the most out of life at that phase and anytime I'm living by it. So the people I bring on here, I really try and make sure it's someone who lives by that in some way, right? Like living as if tomorrow's not guaranteed. So you may as well go get the most of it. And the reason being is because that means it's applicable to any, any time in life. Like whether you're absolutely thriving, you're really struggling, you're in high school, you're 55. Today's the day, 
right? So if you I need to go that. and, you know what I'm saying? Like go and spend the time with your kids. If that's what's, yeah. that's what you would do for your last day, go and do it. Yeah. Right. And go and get the most out of whatever you're doing. Um, so my question for you is you obviously live by that and you've given us a ton of examples, but what do you feel like needed to happen? And then, then I'll be respectful of your time and let you go like to, to really go and like what in your life had to happen, like had to, had to happen for you to go and take that approach into life. Cause you absolutely have done it of today's the day. Like this is all I've got. I'm going to go make the most of it. Where do you think that stemmed? And like, what was that, that turning point or have you already explained? No. That? Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, today's, I didn't know that's what the whole, the whole name was was from. about. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Um, and I think where I experienced that dude is when I had my first son, um, you always get like uncles and aunties and like parents that like want to school you on how to be a good parent. Right. And, um, I had an uncle of mine and dude, this advice, like, dude, I'll carry this with me forever. I had my first son in and he was like, Hey, like you need to make sure you spend like as much time with him as possible. He knew I was a busy guy. Right. Cause you need to spend as much time with him as possible. And he's like, the reason why I say that is, is because when your son turns two, he'll never be one again. And when he turns three, he'll never be two again. And when he turns four, he'll never be three again. And he like kept going, I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. But then I went home that night and I was thinking about what he said. And I was like, dude, that's, that's freaking true, bro. Cause it's like, we have like, you call it a year. Other people call it a chapter, right? We have these chapters of our lives and yeah. it's like, they fly by, dude. Like my, like my son's almost two already. Yeah. Right. And like, dude, I, I literally just feel like I just got married. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so when, exactly. when, he, when he told me that, that was, that's really when I like my whole mindset, like, like people call it a paradigm shift. Like that's when I had it. A thousand percent. Right. And, and. My, my objective changed from making as much money as possible because I think that's where everyone starts. They just want to make a lot of money. It started with us making as much money as possible to now it's like trying to get as much time back as possible. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and, yeah, and, and what I've learned through like business, mentors, seminars, conferences is that time is the most precious and ultimate commodity that one could obtain, right? And and a lot of people, they try, to, they try so hard to dedicate their life to trying to win the money game and then they, they, they lose the life game. Exactly. Right. Yep. And so I think that was one of many examples of w what taught me to like, I don't know, cherish the time what a now, cool, yeah, what live a, in the moment now. Yeah. What a cool way to really like literally just go re-explain exactly that today's the day. Like that's such a cool way to think about it. Like props to your uncle, big shout out to him. That's probably some of the best advice you could get as a, as a parent. And I've never yeah. been a parent, but from what I've heard from people, that's, oh, yeah. that's amazing. Well, Dallin, dude, you are like. I freaking absolutely loved this conversation. I really have. Um, I want to be super respectful of your time. I appreciate you again more than anything. Thank you for coming out here. Is there anything else you would care to go and any last piece of advice or anything else you would care to go and say? Anything you feel like you would need to go and say to anyone listening? No, man. Uh, I think we, we covered a lot. Um, I just want to say how much I appreciate you for inviting me to be on this podcast. There's been some unbelievable names on this podcast, you know, episodes that I've watched in the past. And I just feel honored to be sitting in the same chair as them. Right. And so hopefully I was able to provide a, even half amount of amount of value that they've been able to provide. So, again, I've, I've I'm super, super grateful that I've been able to be on this podcast. And um, yeah, huge, huge shout out. Thank you. No, man, much appreciation for that. And again, you, you absolutely did it justice. So thank you again, everybody for tuning in. Thank you guys all much love until next time. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video of value, share this with a friend and please go show your love. We're on all streaming platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Any ratings, comments, likes, shares, they go a very long way and they make it so I can keep doing these things for you and I would appreciate it greatly. So please go share with a friend. 
Until next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.